Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. When the people of God come together and intentionally seek Him, He He honors that. And I believe that something was deposited into our congregation. I know in my life, and I've been I've been praying and asking the Lord about what He's been depositing in me and. And then what it is also for, for us as a family. And there were a few things. One, one of the things that the Lord spoke was uh, through a prophetic word through Matt Tapley. And he talked about how God was, um, was opening up some, some wells that had been plugged, plugged up for a while. And what the imagery is there is in the Old Testament, it was Isaac who went and he redug some of the wells that his father Abraham had dug. And wells represented then, as they do now in many parts of the world, uh, really the, the, the lifeline for a community, life and water. And we know that symbolically that water is a picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And there are some things in a church body, in, in the life of a church, there are graces that God puts upon congregations and puts upon the individuals of the congregation as you're part of this family. There's, there's things that the Lord would have. But I mean, you know, the enemy works hard to kill and rob and to destroy in our lives. He, he works relentlessly against us. So we talked about some of those things a few weeks ago, spiritual warfare and how we can take a stance in that warfare through praise and through uh, prayer, through the name of Jesus, all kinds of ways, the armor of God that the Lord is called us, but we, we do live in a perpetual, a perpetual state of, of spiritual warfare. But as Matt was sharing, just the idea of that, I've been praying into that. What, what, are, what Lord, are you releasing? And I shared a few weeks ago, I believe that one of the uh, wells that, that God is opening up again over this house, First Assembly, is, is the well of healing. Physical healing and emotional healing. And we've seen signs of that already. We've seen many people, I've just heard testimony of people physically being healed in their bodies. There was a family that came up to me a couple Sundays ago and their son comes to our Sunday school and, and he's autistic. And that's very close to my heart because my nephew is autistic as well and we've seen some real progressive healing in his life. And this family came up and they said, since we've been attending... Uh, in Sunday school, just the presence of God downstairs, as well as being in the presence of God uh, during worship times, we're seeing a marked improvement almost week by week in, in our son. Uh, a nonverbal. So we thank God for that, that testimony. Um, so a nonverbal who uh, Lisa was telling me uh, just recently read out on the board a scripture. Everybody was like... And um, so I prayed with that family, and we're, we're believing for continued release of, of healing in that area. Um, the other area, or the other well that I believe that God is reviving, is the well of salvation. That people are coming to Christ, uh, that the Lord is. We're seeing people saved. I, I want to just read you this because this came in from uh, one of our staff members this past week. And I was, I was going to read it kind of the way it came in on my inbox. 
uh, hey, Ben, we had three first-time decisions for Christ this past Sunday and two recommitments. And here are a couple stories. These would be great to share without using the names on Sunday. It's evidence to me that First Assembly people are inviting their friends. So there's a lady with a Catholic background that came for the first time to First Assembly. She loved our church. The gospel really connected with her, and she committed her life to Christ for the first time. Praise the Lord. Uh, there, there was a, a man from Iran. He was a Muslim who had been exploring different faiths until he heard the message of Jesus, the gospel, this past Sunday. Then he decided to surrender his life to Christ for the first time. This is happening in our church for the first time. This is so encouraging. Um, then there's another lady. She came with her husband, and they've been going to a few different churches, but she heard the gospel, decided to give her life to Jesus yesterday for the first time, received her first Bible, and she wants to get water baptized. <laughs> Praise Jesus. This is the email. How many know as the pastor, I love getting emails like this. <laughs> this is so encouraging. And it reminded me that I, I really feel like the Lord is opening up again a, a well of salvation. I want to encourage us. As we move into the Easter season, uh, we, we need to understand what is the grace that God has put on our house, healing and salvation. But it's not just for us. It's for people that God dearly loves. I travel uh, around in my wallet. We've, we've made these little cards. You can get them at the information uh, desk here in the lobby. And if we don't have them there now, one of our staff members are going to make sure we have them after the service. Uh, and they're just little invite cards to church. And I carry them around in my wallet. This week I had to take an Uber right here in our city because my family were too busy with the other vehicles and I was left vehicleless. <laughs> so I took an Uber. And on the drive home, uh, the, the Uber driver, Alan, I just began to share with him. And uh, I said, Alan, you know, do you know Jesus? And well, yeah, you know, I have a faith. And okay, well, what? You know, I believe. I said, well, do you attend church anywhere? No, 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 no. And I said, well, you, I want to encourage you that you should come check out our church. I shared the Lord with them. And, okay. So finally, near the end of the drive, uh, he drops me off. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about coming to church. I said, well, just so you know. And it was funny because I was wearing a toque and my jeans. And have you ever seen me outside of Sunday? Some people don't really kind of go, what? Is that you? Um, so I, sometimes there's, you know, dress like normal people because I'm normal. <laughs> And uh, by the end of it, I said, you should come. And he says, I'm thinking about it. He says, you know, I want you to know I'm the pastor. <laughs> and he says, oh, well, if the pastor invited me, I'm coming. <laughs> he said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get on God's bad side, <laughs> disobey a pastor. So, hey, whatever works, you know, like I'll, I'll use my pastor card when I need to. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, Alan, if you're here today, but I, I'm believing that you're going to come with your, with your wife and your son. And the reason why we need to invite is because God's opening up a well of salvation. So we need to lean into these things. When the Lord speaks in the prophetic, when a prophetic word comes, we don't just kind of go, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I can't wait till that happens. There's a partnering with the prophetic. I'm of the mind as well when the prophetic is, is moving. Like sometimes somebody else will be getting a prophetic word and I'm like hanging on to that for me. I just say, okay, God, I want that too. And it's like, it's like the woman that just held on to the garment of Jesus, you know, at the, uh, the hem of his robe. And, and, you know, all kinds of people were touching Jesus in that crowd that day. But that woman, 
who needed healing. She had a, an issue of blood, and she, she reached out, and he said, who touched me? And the disciples, well, Jesus, there's all kinds of people. But somebody touched Jesus because they were leaning into him. And as individuals and as a church, we need to be of the mindset and the heart posture that we are constantly leaning into God. And when he speaks to us and when we gather as a church, when we have these kinds of conferences and the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to apply these things to our lives and we need to lean into Jesus and receive the graces that he has for us as a church. So I just want to say to you, First Assembly, today, there's grace on you. And God has given us grace, and I believe we're going to move into a new season. I even believe prophetically, I'm speaking now, that we're going to move into a a fresh season of healing and salvation. uh, That we're going to begin to experience it outside of these walls, but it's going to begin to manifest inside of these walls as well. Because we're going to be seeing people come, and we're going to be inviting people. And we're going to see people come to know Jesus more and more. We're thankful for three or four people that are being healed and touched and saved. But we need to see three or four thousand, three or four thousand people in our city or more, whatever the Lord would, would release us to be a part of for the harvest. And so we need to be a part, part of that. And then the other thing that the Lord out of that conference a few, few weeks ago really has been speaking to me about is a call back to first love. I was, it, was the, it was the Sunday morning, I think, of the Empower Conference and I was driving here to the church I leave earlier than my family most weeks, and I was on my way. And as I was driving, the Lord just put a word in my heart, and that word is return. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just began to minister to me in a very significant way. As I was driving, I was worshiping, and I felt like the Lord said to me, Ben, I'm calling, I'm calling you back to a place of first love. And I, my, kind of my first reaction was, God, have I, have I fallen away from a place of first love? I didn't mean to, to leave that place. And the Lord is so good and he's so gentle to remind us and to call us deeper. Because sometimes we can think we're in an okay place and we're just kind of in a Christian routine. And, and God, he, he's, he's gracious with us, but... I think for the season ahead, there's a deeper call to his heart that he's calling us in. He's calling you in. Because as I've been praying, I feel like the Lord's saying, release this now to the church. It's not just for me as your pastor. It's for every one of us. All of you are priests and kings in the Lord. All of you have authority. All of you have been invited into that beautiful, intimate place of relationship with Jesus. Where are you at this morning with first love? Have there been other things that have crowded out that that red-hot, fiery passion for Jesus in your life? And I ask you that today not to condemn you because maybe like me, you're just kind of thinking, well, I think, think everything's good, but... But would you open your, your heart and your mind today to the possibility that God has so much more for you? <laughs> that he is calling you to a deeper place of, of love and relationship that you have never experienced yet in your life? Could you open up your life today to the possibility that God has so much in his heart for you? 
And you have only scratched the surface of what it means to love him, to walk with him in closeness. First love. I believe God's calling us back. If you have a Bible, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2. And if you want to go there on your device or you want to uh, just go there in your Bible or we'll have scripture on, on the screen as well. If you're new to church or new to the Bible, Revelation's at the very back of your Bible. <laughs> it's the last book in the Bible. Um, a lot of people kind of have a, a love well, I would say love hate is too strong, but some people love Revelation. That's all they read, <laughs> talk about. And they love all the imagery and the bizarre stuff. Other people kind of like, ah, just kind of avoid it, but because it's too confusing. But I, I want to encourage us that as students of God's word and as disciples, it's not confusing. There, there is a, uh, there's a blessing for those who read this book. And so as we read it, we can know there's a supernatural blessing, for one. But there's also, um, there's a pattern of understanding as we look at, at Revelation. And so the Apostle John is the one who receives this revelation from Jesus himself. He's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's some kind of solitary confinement, you know, probably arrested for preaching the gospel, and he was one of the pastors at, at Ephesus. So was Paul, got it started, and then Timothy later. But the apostle John was in his, in his later years, <clears throat> but he was in this solitary place, and he began to receive revelation. And, and you see the pattern in, in chapter 1, verse 19. You can circle that or underline it. You'll see the pattern of revelation. It's the things seen. This is, this is Revelation, the things seen. And this is in chapter 1 mostly where John sees Jesus, the glorified and risen Christ. And, and he, see, he sees Jesus not in his humanity, but in his glorification. The lion and the lamb, the lamb of God, who, who took away the sins of the world by laying down his life, sacrificing. And he's also the lion, the, the reigning uh, ruler the king of all kings. And so John sees the things seen. So the things seen, and then the things that are. The things that are, and then the things which will take place. The things that are is what we're looking at here. The things that are are the seven lampstands, which represent seven churches in Asia, and the seven stars, which represent, it's a picture of the angels to those churches. The word angel meaning messengers. So there's a lot of different ways we can see it. There's layers to understanding this portion of Scripture. But the layers are messengers, angels, or they could also speak to pastors of these churches. That the Lord walks, this is such a beautiful picture, the Lord walks amongst these churches and he has the pastors, the messengers, the angelic messengers to the churches in his hands. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture. So let's, let's look at this uh, right here in chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. So this first church of the seven is Ephesus. To the church of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. 
and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and they, they are found to be false. And I know that you are enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my namesake. And, and all that you have, you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at the first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. And so this church in, in Ephesus, we can see these churches, these seven churches, and, and we'll look at Ephesus in particular, but we can see them different ways. They're, they're actual churches in Asia. They were actual churches in these cities that this revelation, that this letters, these letters were being addressed to. Uh, they were also uh, a picture of every church ever. <laughs> and so we can look at it as the church corporately today and say, what, what, was, what was Jesus saying to Ephesus? And it's not just a historic event, it's actually current. Because these churches represent currently, we could look at this through the lens of First Assembly. God, what are you saying to us? But then where I want to dial in this morning, just for a few moments, is personally. Because this has a personal application. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so the first thing he does is he commends them. And so the Lord would say to you, you are the church, by the way. As a reminder, the church is not a building. The church is the people of God. You and me, we are the church. And so we can apply this person, Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And he commends them. And so the Lord, I believe, would commend you today, commend us as first assembly, and he would say, you're doing some good things. Just like he said to Ephesus, you've, you, know, you, 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 you work hard, you've persevered, you, you, you know, you've got rid of you know, these people that claim to be apostles, and they come in, and they're, they're basically wolves and sheep with sheep's clothes, and you've, you've, you've dealt with them, and you, you've, you've moved past that, and, and, and you've done well because you've protected doctrine, and you've protected theology, and, and you've protected the things that matter to my heart, and and he says all these things, and in some ways, this Ephesus church was the model church. It was a vibrant church, a growing church. Do you remember this, this church? They had incredible moves of, of the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts 19 and other places where, uh, where, where, we, where we see that this church in Ephesus, uh, there was a significant thing that was taking place within this body. There were... There were um, the people that, that came with such repentance that they brought all their, their books of sorcery and magic and they, they burned them. They, there was such a repentance there. And, and even this was the place where uh, there were other kinds of miracles, unusual miracles that, that, that took place. And Ephesus at that time would have been only second to Rome. It was a very significant city. And probably about a quarter of a million people at that time. So the church is in the city. It's strong. It's significant. And by all outward appearances, these guys have it going on. And maybe in our lives, by all outward appearances, for the most part, we've been journeying with Jesus for a while and we've got some things going and, and, and you know, we're working, we're serving God, we're doing the right things. And the Lord applauds the church for that. And he encourages them. He says, this, this is what I have to say to you that's commending you and encouraging you. 
But then he, he also brings loving correction. And he says, I have this against you that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. You've abandoned it. You haven't, you haven't lost it. You've left it somewhere as a priority. You haven't, you haven't lost that, that flame, that, that fire in your heart for Jesus, but maybe you've, you've somehow other priorities have found their way to the top of your heart and mo- likely very unknowingly. Maybe it's other relationships. Maybe it's things that you're interested in. Maybe it's just yourself. Just putting yourself in a place of priority when, when the Lord speaks to you. You say, no, I don't want to obey that right now, Lord. I'm just going to put, I'm just going to put my comforts in that place. You see, because the Christian life is really about yieldedness and obedience. It is the secret sauce of Christianity. And the supernatural is a yielded life before God. It's saying, Jesus, what, did you, what do you say? What do you want me to do? It, it's not saying, uh, here's, here's my life and I'm adding Jesus to my life. If we're adding Jesus to our lives, that's not authentic, pure Christianity. Pure Christianity is, Jesus, you are the king of my life and everything I do submits to you, to your authority, to your love, to your word, to your voice, to your kindness, to your grace, to your mercy. You are my priority, God. And at one time, this church had a, had a, had a first love experience. <laughs> at one time, they, they did, but the Lord says to them, I'm correcting you on this, and I'm calling you back to first love. He gives them the instructions that they needed. And, and just like when I was driving, and the Lord said, Ben, I'm calling you back to first love, I didn't really know that I had moved And maybe there's some this morning you don't know you've moved, but would you search your heart today? Because I believe this is where God's calling us as we return to him. We are returning to first love. There's nothing better than first love. Married people, do you remember that? Do you remember that time when you saw her across that room? Her hair blowing in the the highlights in her hair or ladies, you know, that guy you saw and he was, you know, whatever, flexing his muscles as he was <laughs> grocery shopping or whatever he was doing. And you're just like, I must marry that person. <laughs> and then you get married and the honeymoon and the first couple weeks of marriage and everything is bliss and wonderful and you're not fighting too much yet. <laughs> But there's this passionate priority. And then we just get into life and things, you know. But if you want to keep your marriage alive, you have to continue to stoke that first love. You have to continue to go back to that place. And and the Lord gives the instructions. Here's how you do it. He doesn't just leave us hanging. Hey, you know, you've, you've left your first love, but... Try to figure it out. He doesn't say that. He actually gives them some instructions and here's what they are. First of all, remember. And it literally just means keep on remembering. 
Keep, keep the fire burning. Keep remembering who Jesus is. Keep remembering when you first came to Christ. Think about the times where the, where the Lord was so real to you, whether it be as a child or whether it be as an experience uh, you know, it, with the Lord in prayer or, or there was something that took place in your life where you just were on fire for Jesus. Go back there and remember that. Bring it back. Think about it. You know, I was ministering at a camp in Saskatchewan some years ago and there was a time when I was at that camp as a, as a teenager, as a young adult, and the Holy Spirit did something so profound, life-altering. And, and I was, you know, in that place, and then years later I came back to, to speak at that camp, and, and it was this little chapel. We were in a different chapel when I was speaking, but I walked down the path, and there was this little chapel. Nobody was in it, and I walked inside, and I stood in the place at the front where the Holy Spirit did something so significant in my life. And and, I, and it just began to come back to me. There was something that happened there. There was something that marked my life there. I was talking to one of our, our leaders, Brett, and our youth pastor, one of our youth pastors, Brett. And, and I was up at Sunnyside Camp a couple years ago. And, and Brett said to me, oh, man, this camp has changed my life and what God has done through this camp. And he says, right over here, he says, this is where, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right over here, that's what, right on this part of the altar is where I got you know, I got called or whatever and, and, and saved. And, you know, he was showing all these times. This is what God did. And he was remembering. It's good for us to remember. It's good for us to say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. And, and, and to go back when we were first saved to remember his goodness. We're going to be moving into a time of communion in a few moments. And Jesus says for us to do that as well in remembrance of me. Then the other one is Repent. Repent simply means to change your minds. If you're thinking one way, if there's an idol, if there's something that is, that is prioritizing your heart and your mind, to think again, to turn around, to say, Lord, I, I, I bring this to you today and, and I leave it at your feet. And God, I don't want this to be a priority in my life. I want to repent. I want to, I want to deal with what you are speaking to me about. I don't want to hold on to things that matter to me, but they don't matter to you. And, and, and they're, they're, in other words, they're important to me, but Lord, they're not important to you. I want my priorities to be your, your priorities. To repent. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then David, when, when he was confronted by the prophet and he knew that he was the one that had sinned, that had committed adultery and murder and all these things. He, he, he came clean with the Lord and he said, he said, Lord, search my heart. If there's, if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, create a clean heart in me. This is what it means to repent. It means to come back to that place. And then finally to return. Return to your first love. Repeat the things that you did before. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Even now, don't wait, but return. Jesus tells a, a parable in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. And this is a very um, familiar passage of Scripture. Where it's really about a father. It's really about a father who longs for his sons to be in relationship with him. But the one son rebels and he, he goes off and the other son stays home and is trapped in a religious mindset of works. 
But the son that goes away in rebellion, it says that he came, at one point he came to his senses. And he thought about, I, I gotta return, I gotta return home. I will leave and return to my father to say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I could just see that young man thinking about what it used to be like, that place of relationship, what it used to be like with his father. And the parable is so beautiful because you see in this story the the father who embraces his son. No judgment, no shame for where he was, but just an open invitation of welcoming him in again where he needed to be. There's no shame for where you were, but the Lord invites you to come to where you need to be and it's close to his heart. I've just really been convicted (laughs) this week. Like, I've been convicted in my own life because I, as I steward the leadership for this church, First Assembly, I spend a lot of my time and energy working hard, persevering, doing the right stuff, doing the church stuff, making sure we're doing the right stuff in church so that we can, we can grow and we can disciple people and, and we're doing all the right things and I feel like the Lord's like, that's good, well done. But I've been convicted. The Lord's saying, This is what I feel like the Lord's saying to me. Just love more and try fix less. Yeah, okay, you can clap, sure. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. Pastor's done trying to fix me. (laughs) Trying to fix all the problems. Now, we still might have to fix the plumbing. We still might have to fix, you know. So I'm not saying we're going to let this building fall apart or anything. We're still going to run ministry. We're still going to do things with excellence. But I just feel like the Lord's just saying it's, he's just calling me deeper. He's calling you. He's calling us deeper in love with him, with, in love with each other. Paul said, if we don't have love, we're just a clanging symbol. If we don't have love in our relationship with him, he says, I appreciate all these things you're doing. And I love you, son. And I love you, daughter. But I'm calling you to my heart. He's saying, return to first love. We're going to enter into time of communion today. And we want to do a couple things. One, I'm just going to ask you to pray in this moment. If you're here today, and as Sarah shared earlier in the service, you have not, in your life, made a decision in your heart to surrender your life to Christ. What that means, Sarah shared the gospel. That means that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus take away the penalty, the price of your sin and your failure and going your own way. But God in his mercy, he sent his son Jesus to save us, to give us forgiveness of our sin, to provide that as the lamb of God, to give us eternal life. That we could become children of God. And if you're here today before we receive this communion, if there's anyone here today, I'm just looking around right now, we're we're praying, but if you're here, would you just slip up your hand and just Look at me real quickly. If you're here and saying, that's me, I want to receive Christ today as my Savior and Lord. There's people coming to Christ almost weekly right now, and I'm just going to wait a minute. I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today. Just lift up your hands. That's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I'm just going to look up in the balcony. Just 
wave your hand at me and real, real quick. If there's anyone here today. I'm just going to wait for a minute. I feel like there's some here today, potentially, that you just need to respond. I'm not going to wait much longer, okay? So, Father, I trust that everyone here today is, is a believer in you, Jesus, and we thank you for that opportunity just to come to your table now, to come to communion. And so, God, as we run into your arms today, God, we're also a grieving family today. Lord, it's been a hard week. And God, we're grieving today with the Kivia family at the loss of Derek. Lord, a member, a leader in our church. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem real, Lord. And we're in need of a father today. We're in need of the love of a father in these moments. And so God, we come to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would comfort and surround the Kivya family. God, that you would surround us as a congregation as we grieve with those who grieve. We need your love today like never before, God. Lord, we remember and we repent and we return to your heart today. And Father, we pray for the other 156 people, their families represented on this tragic accident last Sunday. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort every family. We pray you would comfort all of the other 17 Canadians who were lost in this tragedy, their families, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would surround us today, God, and we want to honor. And even just for a few moments, I just want to take a, a moment of just honoring and, and silence before we receive communion together, just remembering uh, Derek, and just remembering and honoring his life. Can we just take a moment? Jesus, thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, your word says that you are near. You are near to the brokenhearted. And so, God, we thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding right now that is guarding our hearts. And, God, we come, Lord, to this communion table in remembrance of you, remembering the good things that you have done, remembering our salvation, remembering, God, that there's nowhere else that we can look. And God, even in the, the craziness of this week, Lord, the multiple tragedies taking place, Lord, that come across our television screens and our internet feeds, Lord, it's overwhelming. But God, we thank you that you are holding us close today. And we can just rely on you in these moments. So Father, as we come to this communion table, we pray, Jesus, that you would just reveal your heart to us today. Father, that you would draw us close. God, call us back to love.
in Jesus' name. We're going to worship as the servers come. They're going to distribute the, the bread and the cup. And I'm just going to ask you to hold on to it just for a few moments. And we're going to partake together. But let's just worship as we prepare our hearts for our time of communion. Jesus went to the cross, he gathered with his friends. And he was about to show his friends and all of us the the greatest expression of his love, dying on the cross. But he gathered for a meal. And in that place, they were able to be together. They were able to be loved by Jesus. He washed their feet. He ministered to them. He, He was ministering to their hearts. I mean, he could have come in with strategy and said, all right, guys, here's what's going to go. I'm going to do the cross and then I'm going to give you all this strategy to go into all the world and all this. But at that moment, it wasn't the time. It was the time to just be in relationship. It was the time just for him to love his disciples and for them to love him. And so as we come to the table today, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to re kindle first love in our hearts. And our prayer is also today that as the body is the family of God, that God's love would multiply in our hearts for one another. And as we do, we will love the world. They will know that we are Christians by our love for each other. So it starts here. It goes here before it can go there. And God's opening up I believe these these wells of healing, salvation. So we're going to pray the bodies are healed today as we receive communion. I'd invite you to stand with me if you would and take take the bread. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. And do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. God, we remember you today. We remember how much you loved us, how you died on the cross for us. We remember the good goodness of your heart. We remember the times, God, that you broke through and answered prayer. We remember the times, God, even when we've been waiting and we didn't have the answers, but your peace, the peace of God that passed all understanding, that your presence was with us because you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And we remember your goodness today. We remember who you are. We remember our need of you. We repent today. We return to you, God. And I pray today that you would reignite our hearts for first love. And God, we receive this bread together in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents new covenant in my blood. It's a covenant of grace. And you just receive his mercy and his grace. It's, we don't have to pay the price or work our way to salvation or work off any kind of sin or failure in our lives. We just say, Jesus, we just returning to you and freely he gives it to us. And so, Lord, we remember today this cup representing the new covenant of joy and grace and freedom and life. And so, Lord, we receive it today. 
for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, for that relationship of so, as sons and daughters that so we can come boldly before your throne. We can walk in relationship with you because of what you did. You ripped that veil. Your presence is available to us today. And we celebrate that as we take the cup. Let's take the cup together. I wonder today, before we officially dismiss, if you came with somebody to church today, a friend, you're sitting by a relative or a friend, or maybe you don't know the person too much, or maybe you've just seen him around, would you be so bold as to reach out, put your hand on someone's shoulder today? And would you pray that God would ignite a fresh and a renewed first love in their life? Let's be the family of God. Let's be the body of Christ today. So go ahead, friends, and just pray for each other. You can pray out loud. You can just pray silently, but let's love on one another. Let's pray that God would reignite a flame of first love in our body today, in our church. Begin to pray also that if they need healing in their body, that that well of healing would flow. Begin to speak healing in every area, emotionally, physically. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 